Good evening. My name's Liz Gray, and I am the uh, what am I? I'm the vicar here, uh, and I'm very delighted to welcome you here this evening. Just a reminder: if you came in a little bit after the beginning, kids are really welcome in our service all the way through. Now that we're hitting the summer, if you're a kid, there are journals and pens out the back and a little tray, and you are very welcome to go and get things to enter, to draw and to. I'm going to tell you, give you a little challenge in a moment. There's Plenty of things out there, and you can also go and play in the nook. And parents, we love kids, and we really don't mind if they make a bit of noise. So uh, just relax and enjoy yourselves. I'm gonna, actually, I'll give the kids their hint in a minute. Okay, everybody, please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. This is chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you know that need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Do have a seat. Okay, kids, my sermon title tonight is Common Life. And I'm going to be talking about common this and common that. I'm going to encourage you to maybe try and draw a picture in your journal of what you think common life might mean. And perhaps you'll pick up on some of the ways that I'll talk about things being common. And at the end, I would love to see your pictures if you do draw one. The other thing you could maybe do is I'm going to be talking about things being horizontal and things being vertical. And I know in Atrium, those of you who come here regularly talk often about what it means to have horizontal relationships and what it happens, means to have vertical relationships. So if you are into the horizontal and the vertical, then perhaps you could listen out for those words as well and see what I'm saying about them. And just before we get going as well, just to think a little bit about the word common, just to remind you that there are two normal meanings for it. One is something which is ordinary, something which is done a lot, which is widespread, it's very common. And also something which is about sharing. How do we share things together, have things in common? So listen out for the word common and see if you can work out what I'm saying that I'm asking us to strive after. But first of all, what are some of the rules? This is a slightly rhetorical question. You can shout out if you like. But um, what are some of the rules that some of you follow in order to have a healthy life? Now, for me, I don't know, for years, I've heard the maxim, you know, five fruit and veg, portions of fruit and veg a day. 
Um, I don't know if that's still uh, something which is prevalent, but it's stuck with me for a long time. Maybe it's drink eight glasses of water. Maybe it's take 10,000 steps. Maybe it's eat whatever's on your plate. Maybe it's listen to your mother and father. Just throwing that one in as a bonus, parents. Now, some of those have some scientific basis. Some of them have no scientific basis at all, like the 10,000-step one. Don't start me on that. It's interesting. But healthy living is a great big industry, and it revolves all about me. How can I make myself as healthy as possible? And really, this involvement and concentration on myself is all part of our rampant individualism in the society, that life is all about me. My question for us tonight is, do we really need other people, or are they just a means to my self-improvement? To be frank, though, if you pause and think for even a minute, our mutual interdependence as a culture is way higher now than it even was in biblical times. My guess is that not a single person in this room is capable of feeding themselves, for example. You don't have gardens growing in your back full of lush produce. Way back in 1906, Alfred Henry Lewis stated, there are only nine meals between mankind and anarchy. Apparently, the MI5, which is like the you know, secret people in UK, has the maxim that society is only four meals away from anarchy. Their motto is regnum defende, defend the realm, and they use the four meals at rule to assess the threat levels from attacks on strategic installations, such as computer networks, power stations, natural disasters, or widespread strikes and civil disobedience. To be honest, if the system collapsed, so would we pretty quickly. We don't have the skills or resources to fend for ourselves. We probably couldn't even find clean water. And that is just a simple reminder that we need each other. And even in the church, we can get so caught up with how am I growing spiritually that we begin to see the church as a handy little resource for our own personal sanctification. And I want to talk tonight a little bit about how the church is essential for our spiritual health. So what are the guidelines for forming a spiritual community? Well, here at Incarnation, we're crossing little boundaries step by step, week by week, as we grow from being a baby church plant to being hopefully a fully-fledged congregation at some time. And there are various steps we have to, kind of hurdles we have to jump in order to get to that. And one of those is in the fall, we'll have a membership Sunday when people will become members of this community. So over the summer, we're going to be dipping into Acts and looking at what does it mean to be a community? What does it mean to have a common life, a life which is shared and feels normal? Last week, we had a fantastic Pentecost service. If you weren't here, uh, you missed something. It was um, slightly chaotic and delightfully wonderful. And we sat, when we exchanged the peace of Christ, there was a lovely horizontal movement around the church reminding us that, that we come together to, for, to say the peace. We come together to our vertical worship. So what I'd like to look at is look at this Acts 2 passage, and we can put the words up on the screen. There's a very strong horizontal and vertical movement in this passage. Sometimes, if you read it, there's a bit of a temptation to rush to the sentence, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And there's, you can feel people's 
tension rising at that verse. Does this mean I have to sell everything right now? Don't get too alarmed. We're going to go back through this a little bit slower. Before we get to that verse, I want to look at the foundations of what they were doing in these early post-Pentecost days. As John Stott puts it, Pentecost was not the birth of the people of God. That could date back 4,000 years to Abraham. What Luke was testifying to here is that the remnant of God's people were becoming the spirit-filled body of Christ. This early community, which is being formed just weeks after these same people had cried, crucify him, crucify him. These same people are coming and being formed into the early community. Peter is preaching to some brand new converts, trying to set the scene for a common life, for a way that these different cultures and communities could blend together. And he calls attention to four aspects of the common life. He talks about the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And we're going to look at each of these briefly. Sometimes these are called the four marks of the church. They can't be unentangled, and we need all four of them if we are going to have a healthy common life. So first of all, their common life involved worship and learning. Attending temple, they worshipped communally, daily, They had a strong vertical relationship with God. But horizontally, together, they were listening to each other. They were rooted in the Old and New Testaments, but they were also rehearsing and remembering all the stories from the life of Christ. Every person, all the apostles in this community, held parts of the truth. Truth becomes partial when only one person holds it. Here, the community was together, meeting and listening to the teaching of the apostles. Before all this was written down, it was so important that each person was bringing their memory and their perspective and their understanding. Every voice was heard, and every moment and memory was being woven together by the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, as John Stott says, the Holy Spirit was using people to communicate truth And the Holy Spirit leads people to submit to the Word of God. And so at Incarnation, we commit to learning and worshipping communally. And I encourage you to keep thinking about making that strong priority with you, committing to being in community. We really need each other in the secular culture and context. One of the oldest analogies ever, um, which you've probably heard in sermons if you've ever been in church before, is about a coal taken out of the fire quickly loses its heat. And we don't have coal fires anymore, but I hope each one of you has seen a fire where something has been taken out of it. We need to be together. Corporate worship and learning is vital for our community. It also gives us an opportunity to be alert for signs and wonders, miracles, the Holy Spirit working amongst us. So we need to be strong in our common worship. And secondly, their common worship was a generous one. What a delight in the way that fellowship is described. And again, fellowship is a very Trinitarian concept. In 1 John 1, John says, he's talking about it, and he, talking about their community, and he says, that you too may have fellowship with us. There's the horizontal And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians 13, talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Fellowship is both vertical and horizontal. 
these people in this community were growing rapidly. They started as a few dozen people, and quickly they had thousands of people who were converting to Christ. And so the community was selling their possessions as they began to work out, how do we have a common economy? Catherine Laguna says, since God's very love constitutes all of existence as well as the economy of salvation, then to be Christian means to participate in the life of God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Entering into the life of God, therefore, means entering in the deepest possible way into the economy, into the person and mission of Jesus Christ, into the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and the life of every last creature destined for communion with God. There's a radical way of loving the other people who are drawn to us and who draw into our community, wanting to subvert cultural expectations as they did in those times when they were changing a patron-client culture which they had been deeply bought and embedded in. They were welcoming Jews and Greeks and slave and free and men and women and trying to work out how to make this work. And so, yes, they did buy and sell their properties, giving opportunities to be radically generous. And the word for fellowship and generous both have their same root in the Greek. So when we think about fellowship, we need to be thinking about generosity. And at Incarnation, I encourage you to be vulnerable and generous and accountable in your spending, in your lifestyle, in all your choices, being mutually aware of our opportunities to welcome, to support, perhaps financially, but also through generosity in other ways. How could you each look at our lives and think about where we need to either constrict perhaps our spending or our lifestyle in order to expand to welcome others in, in our time, in our homes. Being generous is a way to jump into a joyful, common fellowship and economy. And I love the fact that, the thirdly, their common life involved common tables. They not only joined together at the table, but they ate together in their homes. And something we've done at Incarnation right from the get-go is to have common tables, to make sure that we're inviting our friends and neighbors into our homes regularly, that we're making friends with the people who live next door, making friends with people in the, who work in the next cubicle, making sure that we are available in our communities. I've been reading David Brooks, as you probably have gathered by now, as I've talked about him week by week. I loved a little bit when he was talking about building communities. And he talks about when you sit down in community, your I stories change to we stories. Because even now, we can say we have done common tables. And so if you come and are part of our life here, we want to have lots of stories which talk about we. We are people who do things together. So I encourage you, when they started out with common tables, sometimes it was because people couldn't afford to eat on their own but it developed their culture. We want to have meals, meals together, meals with Jesus, rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving. And fourthly, their common life involved common prayer. They prayed together with joy and awe. They learned new ways of speaking to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were newly minted in the power of the Holy Spirit who was teaching and guiding them. They were learning to respond to the paraclete and comforter. 
It was an expectation that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that that would lead to energetic experiences of Jesus amongst them. As N.T. Wright puts it, they were heaven and earth people. And prayer makes no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together. And we can share in that already. And so at Incarnation, we want to be people who regularly delight in being heaven and earth people. What a privilege. What a privilege. And if you want to grow in prayer, I would love you to speak to me and to talk about how you can do that. But finally, once they were doing these four things, there was a wonderful outcome in that the final sort of phrase in that is that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These rhythms of life are critical to the foundation of the strong church that was to come. But they were attractive, and they were drawing people into their community. They found favor with many, many people. Common life. So common life for us is going to be fostered by our good and regular habits, pushing back against individualism, pushing back against the sense that it's all about me and my self-improvement. So I encourage you to think about where are you engaging in common worship? Where are you engaging in common generosity? Where are you engaging in common prayer and in common tables and coming regularly to this common table? Community can be hard. There are times when you just don't want to do it. But can I encourage you to stick with it, to look for those moments of joy, to look for those places of hope and delight. And so today, I would encourage you all to go home and do a little audit, a little audit on your life. Think about these four aspects. Are you engaging in common worship? Are you engaging in common generosity? Are you engaging in common prayer? And are you engaging at this common table? And maybe make a little decision about where you are going to loosen or tighten your boundaries around one or more of those aspects. And if you do that, can I encourage you to tell somebody about it, to be mutually accountable? Because that's what we are. We're a community that wants to be mutually accountable. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way that you teach us, guide us, and lead us. I thank you for the way that you welcome us into community, into being interdependent in ways that we can't even really um, imagine. Will you stretch us and stretch our boundaries? Will you help us to be constantly on the lookout for where we need to expand and welcome others in? Will you help us to look at where we need to contract and reduce our focus on self? Will you help us to be people who are looking always both for the horizontal opportunities to worship you and then the vertical ways to worship you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen.